One day, a little boy was playing in front of his house when it occurred to him that he had never seen an adult playing with a red wagon like his, and he burst into tears. When his mother asked why he was crying, the boy said he was afraid that when he grew up, he wouldn't be able to play with his red wagon anymore. The mother assured the child that when he grew up, he could play with his red wagon if he wanted to. That quieted him for a moment. Then he burst into even greater sobs. The mother asked, What is the matter now? The boy replied, I'm afraid that when I grow up, I won't want to play with my red wagon anymore. My retired colleague, Tony Perino, who first told this story, goes on to say, Thus, many of us, in more sophisticated ways, borrow trouble from tomorrow, and let today, the only time we really have to live, be consumed by the interest we pay on that loan. The hardest thing any of us will ever do is simply live today for today. It is so very difficult to slow the forward thrust of our lives even a bit. You see, we are planners and doers, you and I. We are schemers and plotters. If we are not constantly preparing for tomorrow and the next day, you and I feel like we might get left behind. We might lose what we have. We might miss an opportunity and we might be forced to acknowledge our own human frailty. Some have joked that Unitarian Universalists believe in salvation through good planning. (laughs) And this is not too far from true. We rationalists have long taken a skeptical view of grace, much preferring good hard work and a weatherproof barn. Our old Calvinist roots show when we chart our family's weekly activities in 15-minute increments. Our Puritan ancestors are alive and well when we imagine grade school achievements leading to good colleges, or when we see our houses gaining in property value no matter what we do to them, or when we can imagine ourselves living in a nice assisted living facility one day. You and I understand compound interest. But what about today? When was the last time you played with your red wagon? Do you even want to play with it anymore? The beauty of an hour in church each week is that it forces us to be in the moment. For one hour of 168 each week, you and I are asked to be here now. For an hour, you and I can imagine that we are really and truly connected to something larger than ourselves. For an hour, we resist the headlong tumble into the next moment. For an hour, you and I need not borrow trouble from tomorrow. We can let today be today. I'm always amused when people come up to me and exclaim, I heard church was really great last week. Can I get a written copy of your sermon? 
Were you traveling last Sunday, I ask? (laughs) No, the person usually answered. I just didn't get to church because of fill in the blank, and I promise you it's always a very good excuse. I smile and don't say what I'm thinking, which of course is, why wouldn't you come to church on Sunday mornings, especially if you'd heard that it was good? Why wouldn't you trust that an hour here together with us wouldn't be time well spent? Just as we forget how much fun it is to play with a red wagon or do anything else easy and carefree, we forget how an hour devoted to God can make us feel better all week long. We forget how an hour of music and silence and prayer and quiet conversation might make us more resilient, calmer, gentler, and more content. When compared with other Unitarian Universalist churches of our size, First Parish in Concord has a lower-than-average weekly worship attendance by quite a lot. This, however, does not surprise me. No one goes to a church like ours anymore because they are afraid of damnation, excommunication, or societal scorn. We just don't have those tools anymore. (laughs) In America today, liberal religion is 100% voluntary, and church has to compete with many other Sunday morning activities. For people to show up for it, church has to matter. And there is only one way that I know of to increase Sunday morning attendance, and that is make church worthwhile every single Sunday. Make it so you won't want to miss a single service. Make it so your children insist that the family comes here first on Sundays. All I know how to do is to make this hour so fulfilling that you'll actually want to bring your friends to church, too. There is no doubt that we will need each other this fall and this winter. Our nation is engaged in a bruising presidential election, and the harsh rhetoric and hurt feelings will not end on Election Day. No matter who wins and who loses, a large group of Americans will feel that they have been cheated. They will not accept the results quietly. The name-calling and demonizing will go on. We will need each other this fall and winter, if only to remind ourselves on a weekly basis that kindness is important, that peace takes effort and that love can overcome fear. And the lucky thing for us is that showing up here really is enough. Simply being here is enough for the love of this community to take hold. Simply being here together is enough to make us all better. Being here will help you figure out what you want to do next. In his 13th century poem, The Ocean Moving All Night, the Persian Sufi mystic Rumi says, Stay with us. Don't sink to the bottom like a fish going to sleep. 
be with the ocean moving steadily all night, not scattered like a rainstorm. The spring we are looking for is somewhere in this murkiness. See the night lights up there traveling together, the candle awake in its golden dish. Don't slide into the cracks of ground like spilled mercury when the full moon comes out. Look around. Don't slide into the cracks of ground like spilled mercury. When the full moon comes out, look around. Do not forget your red wagon. Do not leap ahead months and years in your mind. Come to this place and let it open you up. Come, be here, here in this holy moment. You are not among us by accident. So be it. Amen.